0: Sure is good to be with you all again this week, and according to John, none of you are going to be here next week, you're all going to be gone, so <laughs> I don't know who they'll be left in here to speak to next week, but uh, that's a wonderful work up there. At... I, I thought I did. I thought I turned it on. It's showing green. All right. So, good to be with you. We'll be here again next Sunday. As I've just indicated, then we'll be away for a week, and James is trying to make sure that I get back for the 30th to do the 30th, so we're going to try and be back from a a time away in order to finish up this little series we're doing in Ephesians on the last Sunday of the month. So that is the plan. If we're not going to make it by the 30th, James will be covering, I think, for me, at least he's trying to get out of covering for me but we'll we'll try and be back for the last Sunday of the month. Turn with me again please to Ephesians. To Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read this section again that we read last week. Ephesians chapter 1. Now I I cannot even begin to imagine the sheer terror Of the man that I spoke about last week who had lost his memory of who he was. I can't imagine the sheer terror that must have been for him. That he'd lost all his memory of who he was and where he was. But we, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, can do the same thing if we're not careful. We can forget who we are. We can forget whose we are and when we do so we are in danger as well of falling into the patterns of the world falling into the patterns of this life and in such a way bring dishonor sometimes to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ let's read again we're going to begin reading today at verse 3 All things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. Ask the Lord for his blessing. Father, we ask that you would lead and guide and direct us by thy spirit this morning, that your Son might be glorified and lifted up after all he has done for us. Father, we want to give you praise and we want to give you thanks. Guide and direct our thinking this morning, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Who are we? That's the question I began last week with. Who are we? And who we are is sometimes so wrapped up in our heritage, in our physical human heritage, in our experiences, in those things that shaped us over all the years of our lives. And I wrote down here they are like a vast tapestry with each day putting a new stitch among thousands of others, shaping the picture that is you and shaping the picture that is me. I cannot think of a harder experience for a married couple who, when one of that couple who have been married for years and years is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I can't imagine... A harder experience for a married couple to say that long goodbye for one that you have loved and one that you have, has been beside you for 50, 60 years. And all of a sudden, they begin to drift away. And they forget who you are. And they forget who their family is. And eventually even, forget who they are themselves. Alzheimer's is an awful, awful disease. But our identities, my brothers and sisters, our identities are shaped more by whose we are than who we are. Our identities are shaped by who we are, not simply by who we are in this world. I had an experience that I will never forget. For the remainder of my life, I will never forget it. And that experience happened to me just a few years ago, about eight years ago. Eight years ago, we left the Philippines for what I knew would be the last time. We would not be back there anymore in full-time ministry and full-time work any longer. And when we left the Philippines, I almost went through what you might call an identity crisis. I began to be so discouraged and so depressed in my own spirit that I I did not know who I was anymore. I was so identified with myself as a missionary to the Philippines, as a missionary who was doing the Lord's work for all those years in the Philippines. When I came home, and I've shared this with some of you before. In fact, I've probably shared it here to you as a group that there were times in those first weeks when I came home that I would simply be walking somewhere and I'd begin to cry, I'd begin to weep, and I did not know why. I did not know why. I was in grief. I was grieving over this loss, as, you, as uh, I have said, of what I considered to be my identity as a Worker for the Lord in the Philippines. We left that country with 13 boxes of everything we possessed over all the years. We left with 13 boxes and came back to start all over again back here in the States. The only things that we brought with us were things that were irreplaceable. And if you look at my office someday, you'll see the things that I consider to be irreplaceable. They are memories from my little girls when they were little. Memories of my wife. Pictures of my wife all around my room. Those are the memories that I have. But it took a little bit of time. I as I told you here once before, I could not sing without weeping the song you gave, you give and you take away. You give and you take away. I could not I could not sing that song up until recently without tears in my eyes and in my heart. But I quickly began to realize afresh that my identity is not just the son of Harold and Jerry Hardesty. Not just the brother of Beverly and Lori and Kim. Not just the the husband of Joyce. Not just the father of Rachel, Kim, and Abby, and of all my grandchildren that I won't take the time to name them all. I was not just those things. I am not primarily a missionary to the Philippines. I am not primarily a servant of the Lord Jesus. I am a son of the living God. I'm a son of the living God. I am His child. That's who I am. I am His child. And you, my brothers and sisters, those who have placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, you are my brothers and sisters. And you are the children of the Almighty God. That's who we are. And as such, I am a flower quickly fading. Here today and gone tomorrow, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind, still You hear me when I'm calling. Lord, You catch me when I'm falling. And You've told me who I am. He's told us who we are. We are His. We are His. We are in Christ. Who we are, we are in Christ Jesus our Lord. That makes the reality of who we really are as children of God. As children of God. And it is these truths, it is these facts that we learn in these first opening verses of this Wonderful epistle. It, are, it is these facts that equip us for battle in this world. It's because of who we are. It's because of whose we are that it equips us for the battle and the armor that we will find at the end of this epistle. We are holy and blameless in his sight. We saw these things last week and we're not going to go back and review them. You know, John, I have a tendency to go back and review. We won't go back and review these things, but we are holy and blameless in His sight. That's who we are. That's our position in Christ. Holy ones, blameless ones in Him. He predestined us to adoption as sons. We saw that last week as well. Our position as those who are full-grown, mature sons in Christ. The moment we come to receive Him as Savior and Lord, He placed us as full-grown sons. Yeah, you may be a new believer. Yeah, you may be one who has still got a long way to go in your experience and your learning. But He has equipped you with everything you need for life and godliness the moment you came to know Him. And He placed you as a son. Full grown, mature in Him. Because you're found in the Beloved. Because you're found in Christ. Wow. That, my friend, is amazing stuff. I don't care where you are on your growth spectrum in in your experience with Christ. But right now, in the eyes of God, you are a full adult child in His presence. And you will never be anything less than a full adult child in His presence. Oh, we talk about babes in Christ, but babes in Christ are those who are not living lives that are spiritual lives. They're living lives that are carnal lives. But we can, we can also call those who are new in the faith, sometimes we call them babes in Christ, but we don't mean it in a carnal sense. We mean that you're just newly born, just newly born ones with a lot of experience yet to get. But we are all together, full-grown adult children accepted into the family as such. What else does he tell us about ourselves? He predetermined that we would be these adopted children, and then he goes on to say in verse six, "It is to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the beloved." He made us accepted in the beloved. That word "accepted" is an interesting word. You know, it's translated. There's several different words in Hebrew. There's several different words in in Greek that are translated by the English word accepted. But the word that is being used here that they translated accepted is only used twice in the New Testament. This word is only used twice in the New Testament. It is used once in Luke chapter 2, I think. And someone will correct me later. Don't do it now. It would be too embarrassing for me. When the angel Gabriel comes to... Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus, and says, You highly favored one. The highly favored one in God's sight. And that is the same word he uses here. You and I are highly favored ones in God's sight each one of us here in this room, regardless of how bad your week has been, regardless of how you failed this week and stumbled this week, in the eyes of God, positionally, you are highly favored by the Lord. He bought you. He paid a high price for you. And He deems you as one who is highly favored in the Beloved One. You are highly favored because His Son is highly favored. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And now He sees us in His Son, and He can look at us and say, Joey, in my Son, I am well pleased. And because you are in my Son, I am well pleased with you. You are highly favored in my Son. You are highly favored in the Beloved One. Oh, it's lovely to be beloved of the Savior. And we are found in the Beloved One. In the Beloved. My Beloved is Mine and I am His. And his banner over us is love. Do you ever doubt the love of God in your life? Do you ever question the love of God in your life? Well, it's normal sometimes for us to do so but then we remember whose we are and we remember what He paid for us. And then we remember that we are loved with an everlasting love. And we remember that no matter what trial we're going through, what hardship we are, that the love of God never wanes. It never grows less. It never wanes in our life, regardless of our experiences. We are highly beloved we are highly favored in christ jesus and then he goes on to say i'm moving rather quickly this this morning because i want to get through this section so that next week when we get together we can go to chapter six and begin to look at how these things relate to what we find in the armor of god when we get to chapter six but look at what he says now he says in him We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to, by means of the riches of His grace. We have redemption. That little verb, we have here, is in the midst of all of these aorist tense or past tense verbs that are being used over and over in this passage. This one, where He says we have redemption, we have forgiveness, because the two connect together, is a present active. It's a present tense verb. He's saying that we have and continually have redemption. And how, where is the, what's the noun that is, that is performing this action? Because it's a, it is a present active. What's forming the action? You're not f- performing it, are you? You're not doing it. You didn't give yourself redemption. It was through His blood. His blood gave you redemption. And His blood continues to give you redemption. The blood of Jesus Christ never loses its power. And His blood is continually giving you redemption. It's continually flowing out from His grace to you. You remember 1 John will say it. He will say, He will say, in First John, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sin, and the blood of Christ will s- cleanse you from all sin. But just before that, He uses that same terminology when He says, and now you know how your mind works, and sometimes it works even worse for me now the older I get. Some of the things that I used to be able to pull up so quickly, I don't pull up quite so readily anymore. But He says this, if we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. And then we get down to those subjunctive kind of verbs later on. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and it's contingent on whether we do certain things. But this forgiveness, this redemption depended on the grace of God. In the moment that you received him as Savior and that redemption, my brothers and sisters, is continuing on in your life. And one day, it will even include the redemption of your body. It will even include the redemption of your body. There's coming a day. There's coming a day when we will all be in glory. And we will all be in glorified bodies that He will redeem. Even all of those that have gone on before us, whose bodies lay in the grave, they will all be redeemed. They will all be brought back. And we will all inherit heaven and the presence of God forever and ever in a glorified, redeemed body that He will give to us. And I will no longer be able to sin no longer be able to sin. Are you looking forward to that? But then he goes on to say, we have redemption through by means of His blood. That's what brings us the redemption. It's by His grace. The forgiveness of sin. Again, it is present tense, the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of your sin is continual. It is present tense. It goes on and on and on. He has redeemed you. Now, the word redeemed is an interesting word. And we could go on with this for a long time and we don't have the time to do so. But there's, there's basically like two words, three words that are, that are translated by this word uh, redemption. The one that he uses here comes from a little root word, well, that means It means to set free from bonds, to set free from bondage. It's a little root word, but you, never, you don't build doctrines on root words, okay? That's a dangerous thing to do. But when this root word gets developed out, and it means to, to to set free by paying a price, to loosen by paying a price, and then it goes on to this word, which has a little prefix in front of it that gives you the idea... That it is a full and a complete loosening from bonds. It is a full and complete loosening. It is a full and complete redemption. It is the apolutrosis. It is the full, complete releasing. And you have been and continually are freely, continually, fully released. You are no longer in the bondage. He uses a different word when he talks about it in Galatians. But you're no longer under bondage. There he talks about you're no longer under bondage to the law. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. And there he uses a different word, which means to go into the market of the agora and to go into the market and buy out of the market, never to return it there again for sale. You've been bought off from under the law. You're never going to be put under it again because you are blameless in Christ. You are holy in Him. You are highly favored in Him. You are His adult Son. You no longer are under any law. But the law of liberty and the law of love, which we rest under. Anyway, I said more than I needed to say or planned to say. That's very unusual for me. I mean, you know. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. Oh, my brothers and sisters, it's wonderful to be forgiven of sins. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. Oh, uh, And I've said this many times, and I'll say it again. I love the accuracy of some hymn writers. You see what he said? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. Not was at one time. It is nailed to the cross. And because it is nailed to the cross, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. And it is well with my soul because my sin has been born by Him. Oh, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches, the abundance, the overflow of His kindness and grace toward you. The overflowing of His kindness, the abundance of His grace. We were saved by grace, we live by grace. Every morning when I wake up and I get my first cup of coffee and I sit down to, to spend a time in prayer, Usually the first words out of my mouth to my father are, thank you that I awake under your grace. Under your grace again, because I will need your grace to live this day. I will need your grace. And so do we all need the grace of God. And he pours it out, the riches of his grace. By the riches of his grace, we have been set free. By the riches of his grace, we have been forgiven through his blood. And He made it abound toward us in His grace and His goodness and kindness toward us. He abounded toward us in wisdom and understanding. He made known to us, He made known to Paul the mystery of His will and to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. According to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. He's leading us into the deep things concerning Himself. And we we need to move by some of these verses because our time is running quick, but we're going to read through them a little bit. He says, verse 10, that in the stewardship or or the dispensation of the fullness of the times, in the stewardship that was given, in the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ. Mike made mention of it this morning, that we are going to all be one in Christ. He's gathering in the dispensation of the fullness of times. All will be gathered together because of Him. All will be gathered together in Him. Both things in heaven, things on earth, everything will come to a center in Him. In Him, by His grace. Heavens will be cleansed. The earth will be cleansed. He'll create a new heaven and a new earth in in which righteousness permanently dwells. And He will draw all things together in that time that is yet coming for you and I. The time that is yet coming that will glorify our Lord Jesus Christ and bring glory to Him. For He is the heart of it. We are the bride of Christ But the bride eyes, not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace. Not at the crown He gives, but on His pierced hand. For the Lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. The Lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. In Him, verse uh, 11, In Him we have obtained an inheritance. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined to this, according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His own will. According to His purpose, according to His plan, according to His design, He predetermined before time that you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, would be an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ of all things. We have an inheritance, you and I, and it does not fade away. It doesn't lose its color. It doesn't lose its luster, as Peter would say. We have an inheritance that is undefiled. It's reserved in heaven for you. You reserved there for you and there's no one mightier than god who's reserving it for you who's guarding it for you who's keeping his eye on it as peter says His eye is on it and there's no greater power on earth than him who is guarding your inheritance so is it pretty sure that you're going to inherit it yeah it is It is what you possess because you are in Christ. And we inherit all things in Him because of our relationship with Him. Heaven will be filled. Earth will be filled in that day to come with a whole bunch of people that are just like Jesus. Just like His Son. For we shall bear the image of Christ in that day to come. Oh, we will never be God, but we will be like the Son of Man and we will be like Christ. Is this the grace which He for me has won? Father of glory, thought beyond all thought, in glory to His own blessed likeness brought. Is that good stuff? Is that good stuff? That's what we have. You know, it's like we talk about the idea of, oh, what are we going to get when we get there? What is our crown going to be like? What is the glory? What's the glory of the place where we're going? What is it all going to be like? Oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. But the thing that I only want to imagine is the face of the one who made it all possible. Oh, to see Him. To see Him and live with Him forever and ever. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Take the world, but give me the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance. And we were... In His plan and purpose, it was for us who would believe. It was according to the counsel of His own desire that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of His glory, Paul says, referring to those early believers. But then he also adds, in Him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you, having believed, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are sealed. He's placed His seal on you. That seal of the Spirit of God who now dwells within you that says, you are my possession. You know, seals in the old days represented something. They represented authority. If you were to break the seal of a a high official without authorization, you were in serious trouble. Serious trouble. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. No one can break that seal. No one can remove from you what you possess in Christ. And you have the Spirit of God That is in you and cries out, Abba, Father. And you have a relationship with the Father. And the Spirit of God is stirring that in your heart. That relationship that you have with the Father, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of your inheritance. You have a guarantee. And it's promised by the Spirit of God. Sealed by the Spirit of God in you. Let me ask you a simple question. Does God ever lie? Does he ever deceive? Does he ever, is he ever an Indian giver? Maybe I can't say it. Maybe that's the wrong terminology to use in this day and age. But is he one who gives and then takes it back and says, you know, I don't want you to have this any longer? Well, we sing the song he gives and he takes away. But this inheritance that we have in Him is yours and it's yours and mine forever. And He will never take it away because He has promised. And He is not like man that He should lie. He's not like man that he should lie. And the Spirit of God is, present tense, is and remains and continues to remain the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of the redemption. Here's that same word again. The full, complete redemption that will one day come of the purchased possession. That's you and I. He's purchased us with His own blood. He's made us who we are. Until the purchase, uh, to the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of His glory. Oh, amen. Amen and amen. This, my brothers and sisters, is who we are in Christ. These are the spiritual blessings that He has poured out on us. And this doesn't even include all of them. This is a list of some of those spiritual blessings that are included in the all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. These are who we are because of whose we are. Don't ever forget that all of this is because you are in him. You don't possess it outside of him. You only possess it because you are his. Purchased with a price. What a wonderful wonderful savior hopefully next week we will get into chapter six and begin to show attempt to show how that now all of these things that you possess are what you use in your battle against the enemy it's all that he has provided that you will use in the battle in this world against the enemy of your soul father we give you thanks for Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You, Father, for all that You have done for us in Him. We're so thankful, Father, for forgiveness of sin. We're so thankful for the redemption that we possess. We're so thankful for the Spirit of God that seals us to the day of redemption. We're so thankful that we have an inheritance that it is in You and in Your Son. Oh, Father, we... Look forward to the day when all of this will be done and for eternity we will enjoy your presence forever. We give you thanks for the promises made to us in Christ Jesus our Lord in whose name we give you thanks. Amen.